Hey, Graham. Hey, David. I got a joke for you. All right, let's, let's hear this joke. Okay, so which Viking rides around on Halloween to scare people? Uh, I don't know. Which one? The Headless Norseman. <laughs> <laughs> That's solid. That's yeah. a good one. Yesterday was Halloween, so. Yeah. Uh, the, At least no, when we're recording it. The Nor- okay, Headless Norseman. I'm going to give that a four. Okay. I think it's fine. Yeah. You put some effort into it. It was topical. <laughs> just a pun. Right. Yeah, just, just a pun. How I, dare you? I got one for you. Okay, go ahead. All right. Uh, so, David, uh, what do you call the boss of Old McDonald's Farm? Old McDonald? The C-I-E-I-O. <laughs> like C-I-E-I-O? Like C-E-O? For a second, my brain did it like, is this a CIA joke? <laughs> it's like C, it's, you, you get it. C-I-E-I-O. C-I-E-I-O. Okay, well. You have to uh, like right. this joke. This is a five. Okay. Five? Fine. Okay. Fine. Is that, is that good? Fine. Is that, fine. You know what? Fine. Enough of the nonsense. Let's get on with the nonsense. Welcome back to Withy Windle, a whimsical interactive show for kids who love stories, words, and groan-worthy jokes featuring your favorite authors and illustrators. It's part book club, part game show. It's an adventure through the wild world of wordplay. I'm David Kern. And I'm Graham Pittman. And you know what? What? You jumped, I was going to say something and then you jumped in. Go ahead. Oh, well, oh, you go ahead. Nope, nope, you do it. Well, I have a whole thing I want to talk about. So if you just have some little thing you want to jump in and say. You no, I was, say. I was just going to welcome everybody to the podcast. This is the sixth episode of the sixth season. The sixth point sixth episode. And uh, welcome. Okay, great. Okay, great. I've got stuff to go, talk about. All right, go. I can't right, speak. So, I'm so excited. While we're recording this, yesterday was Halloween. Right. While you're listening to this, Halloween was about a week ago. Right, yeah. Uh, so David and his kids and our kids, our, our families went trick-or-treating together, right? Yep. And um, it's interesting to me. Uh, we got back to the house. Mm-hmm. Everybody dumped out their candy. Actually, there was a lot more than just our kids. There's a lot of kids yeah, there. Yeah. And I was kind of eyeing everybody's candy, you know, seeing what I could maybe pilfer, you know, oh, you don't like that? I'll take it. Things mm-hmm. like that, which works. Mm-hmm. I did that a few times. But I was noticing something. Well, I was noticing a couple of things. One, didn't see a single Sour Patch kid. Yeah. Isn't that yeah, weird? That's weird. I saw a lack I heard, I of... Three people have mentioned this. I've seen a lack... I saw a lack of like fruity candy... In general. Yeah, except for Skittles. Yeah, there's a lot of Skittles. But they come in those packs with the Snickers and the Starburst. And, and the I saw a lot. I didn't see much like filler, like filler candy. You know, the candy that's like not the best, but you're, you're glad you have it. It seemed like everything was like Reese's. Like, what's and, an example of that? Um, Smarties. Or no, kind of like Smarties, but yeah. Well, see, I kind of like Smarties too, but that would be your like da- a, is it your daughter that doesn't like them. I don't know. Okay. Uh, That'd just, be like there a, was one kid that was giving them out, basically. Or Tootsie Roll. Or... Oh. Yeah, so they're good candies, but they're not... They're you know, filler. It's like... Right. Yeah. It seemed like everybody had, like, the best possible stuff you can get, which I think is a problem. I uh, think... I, I agree with this. I think if you have a giant pile of Reese's Cups and Reese's Pieces and M&M's mm-hmm. and Snickers and 100 Grands, mm-hmm. and, like, it's, it's too much good. I buy this. You you don't appreciate how good that stuff is if you don't have the other stuff that you're like, okay, I guess I'll have one I'll of the good things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. then I'll eat some of this other stuff. And then you have to feel like you have to meet out your your rations. You have to you have to say you have to sit you have to decide when you're gonna eat the good yeah. candy. Or just those little things like the fruity Tootsie Rolls or like that delicious. stuff is like missing. 
Because you could be like, I'm going to eat one of those. It's tiny. I don't have to commit to eating a whole Reese's yeah. cup or something. Yeah. That was weird to me. That is weird. I'm, I'm saying the candy was better than usual, and I have a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I heard that our, the street where you live on that we go trick-or-treating, which is like very famous around around here. People come from yeah. far away. Halloween Town Street. Apparently, basically. people ran out of candy faster than ever before. Oh. More people than ever. And so we went a little earlier because we got little kids too. And apparently by like eight o'clock, people were running out. So we went out at the right yeah, time. Yeah, we got back home at like 7.15 and I thought it was a great night. Yeah, it was great. Um, but yeah, what? just what? not even one Sour Patch kid. I thought yep, that was I didn't weird. see any. That's true. Maybe there's something about how they're manufacturing them. Anyway, this is an episode that features uh, Andrew Peterson. And it's also our Halloween spooktacular episode. It, it is? Uh, just because I did a headless Norseman joke or yeah, the headless Norseman. And we talked about candy. That was it. That's, that oh, was okay. a spectacular. Okay. All right. Now the rest of the episode is uh, dedicated to, Oh, uh, crazy words and, and, and an author interview with Andrew Peterson and, and a riddle and, and a story. And of course, snack time. Those are the things we do on this show. So we're going to do them again this week. But first, of course, we need to tell everybody, remind everybody about this season's sponsor as well as this week's sponsor and they're, they're they're even sponsoring this episode yeah all of them they're all sponsoring the, the halloween spooktacular a week <laughs> yeah. late right the, the halloween. halloween spooktacular featuring andrew peterson <laughs> but not in a halloweeny way at all uh episode yep and that is of course waxwing books our friends over at waxwing books if you're looking for beautiful books that the whole family will love to read look no further than waxwing books the brand new boutique publishing house from read aloud revival a podcast and online community dedicated to helping both adults and kids fall in love with reading aloud Waxwing publishes books for a wide range of ages containing illustrations you will want to look at longer than necessary, text that is delicious to read aloud, and stories that pull both adults and children in. Waxwing's first two releases are A Little More Beautiful and While Everyone is Sleeping, both written by Sarah McKenzie with beautiful illustrations by, well, by two different artists. Uh, and they're available for purchase at waxwingbooks.com or at bookstores well, like ours, as well as on amazon.com. So go grab copies of A Little More Beautiful and While Everyone is Sleeping and, and be sure to support Waxwing Books. They're doing great work, making great books. And uh, we, are, we are honored to be partnering with them and grateful that they were helping make this season of Withy Windle, this sixth season of Withy Windle possible. And uh, since it's the Halloween spooktacular episode <laughs> now, um, I'm going to give you a... I'm just determined. I did not know this ahead of time. <laughs> I'm going to give you a spooky... Uh, a spooky factoid a, a about wax wings? Wax wings. Yeah, are you okay. ready? All right, yeah. Wax wings are not bats. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> They're birds. <laughs> What if there was a waxwing bat, and we we all oh. we didn't realize all this time that they were actually waxwing yeah. books based on the bat and not mm. the bird? But you've been doing bird facts this whole time. Yeah, but they are a pretty interesting bird. What if the waxwing bat was listening and just got very sad? Yeah, that we put him down. Do, do, do bats have ears? Yeah, huge ones. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Sonar ears. It's right. Whole, it's the whole point of being a bat, I guess. Okay, it's snack time, and this is a snack time that we have been. Waiting for, circling, considering, contemplating. In short, we have been excited for this snack time for many moons mm -hmm. for a long time. It is the official Withy Windle root beer taste test snack time. So we have, Graham, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven kinds of root beer here. We tried to get eight. We tried to get, yeah, the one we don't have is mug root beer. And I can't, we went to two different 
supermarkets and neither of them had them which, which is, is weird yeah it's right up there with not giving out bad candy yeah and nobody got mug root beer in their trick-or-treat bag either yeah apparently well, so. or all the root beer went into the trick-or-treat bags and there's none left now oh yeah that's so, that could be we are going to taste and rank these root beers now all of these root beers you can get in almost any supermarket the well few, that we know of right 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 yeah a few in our region them, yeah right a few of these are um boutique root beers Special. and then Specialty. some of them are the the big brands mm-hmm. so um i almost got this the zevia root beer but decided not to it's okay <laughs> yeah yeah it would have come in last though in this it would have yeah. i like it but it would have come in last it came in la- it comes in handy when you don't want to you know drink root beer <laughs> but yeah, you, when you don't want a lot of sugar yeah. yeah um okay. So should we start, Graham? Here, well, should, we, should we just tell people what they are first? Let's list them out. Okay, you go ahead. Uh, I'm going to go from that side. We've got <laughs> Barks Root Beer, made by the Coca-Cola Company. Uh, we have A&W, made by maybe A&W. I'm going to stop doing that. We Dr. Got, Pepper owns A&W now. We've got Barks. We've got A&W. We've got one called Frosty, uh, which looks like it has a Santa Claus uh, caricature on it. Uh, we have a, looks like an old miner. We have IBC, which is that's a classic bottled, you know, classic glass bottle one. bottled one that I've been drinking since I was eight years old, and I've never questioned what IBC stands for <laughs> until right now. And then we've got Hanks, we've got Virgils, and we've got Boylan's. Now, the one thing that stands out about all these ones that come in, these ones that are um, bottled, the less, they're bottled, glass bottles. Yeah, <clears throat> they are all. In glass bottles, they come in like a cardboard box. They yeah. also all say pure cane sugar on them. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they, you know, fancy. Which uh, IBC, that surprises me, actually. <laughs> I would have... I, they probably changed that. Um, okay, so what are some of the ones we don't have that you like that we couldn't get for this taste test or for, but what in another world? Mug is obviously one. Dad's root beer is oh, one. Oh, yeah. You can only, that's yeah. a world market one. You Dad's, can get that there. Um, have you ever had 1920? Yes. Yeah. I feel like I've had that since moving from the Midwest. I yeah. don't know if I've you, seen that. I think around. you can really only get it in Wisconsin. My grandparents owned restaurants and they had it in their restaurants and it was just the best. Um, and then Sprecker's. Yeah, Sprecker's from is Wisconsin. One. Yep. I like that. Sprecker's. I'd be interested to see where it would rank in here. So there's a Andy's frozen custard place in town and they have Sprecker's root beer. And I, if it That's wasn't right. 25 minutes away, I would have gone and gotten some. And they some. make root beer floats with it. Yeah. So yeah. Sprecker's uses honey. I'm sure they use cane sugar too, but they use honey and it has that it's a different flavor. So yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's kind but of you can't, it. But, kind but, of it. but you can't get it in a supermarket. So what we wanted to do here is something that would approximate people being able to, if they wanted to do their own taste test, the kids could, their families could still do this. Right. And we're not doing root beer floats. It's just, it's not even cold. We're just doing root beer in its purest off the shelf form. Yeah. And a lot of root beers are actually kind of designed to be drank kind of tepid. Right. right. Yeah. Um, uh, room temperature. So I don't feel bad about this at all. And so, the best ones aren't generally not like super carbonated either. Right. That's true. Which okay. is something you would want very I cold. I propose that we start with one that is a, let, let, let's just, I'll pick one, then you pick one, then I'll pick one, then you pick one. Oh, and we should tell people we, we bought very strong flavored chips to eat between these right. things. So well, it like I've, smashes our palate. Have you had these before? Uh, the yeah. Kettle brand air fried Himalayan salt. Yeah. Oh, those ones aren't strongly flavored. They are. I'm going to open these. As a pal- this is our palate cleanser. Yum. Okay. I'm going to pick, pick one first. Okay. And this one is... 
we can talk about why I might want to pick this one first. Okay. You, 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 you can tell the kids why. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm interested. Oh, yes. Okay. So we're going to start with mug, uh, not mug, A&W. A&W root beer. We have these in cans. So when David and- We're not going to drink all of this. When David and I were in college or right after college, we were roommates and we each had part-time jobs and David took a part-time job at the A&W restaurant down the street. It was across the street. I could Across the street. Restaurant's a strong term. It was like a closet. It It was was, very small. it It was a- Convenience store, movie rental place, where you could also buy wine, but there also was an A&W attached to it. Yeah, but it was yeah. the smallest A&W I've ever seen. Right, yeah. It, was, it wasn't great. The best thing about this, well, I don't think you had many customers, so you could read a lot. I, I read, I did read a lot, actually. Um, That's a great point. Uh, under like a f- uh, old flickering light. Uh, yeah, it kept, uh, the same lamp that, that kept those burgers warmish <laughs> was giving me light to but, read but they would make their own root beer there yep, and on then, tap it was a tap and then pull the lever at the end of the day they would throw it out but david could not bring himself to throw it out so he would bring gallons of root well, beer yeah i back think to the house. at least half gallons yeah and then our other friend worked at a pizza place and he would bring pizza all the time We'd so never recovered free <laughs> pizza and free root beer for a year <laughs> okay okay let me ask you this before you take a sip okay oh, this is gonna be a long snack time but, you know, that's what kids listen to this show for. I, I hope so. Uh, what makes a good root beer, in your opinion? What are some characteristics of a good root beer? Uh, I like I like not... Okay, I really like carbonated soda, like mm-hmm. one that really, like, hits the back of your throat, right, like, yeah. a, like a ginger ale yeah, or yeah. just a Coke or something. Yeah. But I don't want my root beer like that. I want it pretty mellow. Yeah. Um, creamy, f- like frothy creamy, yeah. more than bubbly. And I, I really want to taste the roots, you know? You want the whole root, I just want that whole root system. <laughs> I want to see how it all works together. Uh, I want it to be kind of caramely. Yeah. Um, and I don't want it to be strange. Like, I don't want them reinventing the wheel. Right. Root beer is um, a classic. That's why we went with this one. It's a classic. Now, there's some kids that just don't like root beer. But right. those kids are wrong. Well, it's a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh. It's a very particular flavor. I know some people who really don't like root beer. I won't name and shame them, but um, that's fine. I, I think one of my More kids might us. not like them, but anyway. Okay, let's try this root, this A&W root beer. Cheers. <clears throat> Even when it's not on, you know, from the keg, from the tap, mm-hmm. it's still it's still good. It's classic. I'm I'm putting this in number one right now. <laughs> number one right now. Yeah. Okay. I my guess is this is going to land somewhere in the middle. Like it's just good. It's, How would you describe this one? I don't. It's f- got that caramel. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I don't think it's very complex. I think it's got kind of a one flavor, but it's a flavor I like. Uh, it tastes exactly like those root beer barrel candies that <laughs> yeah. people used yeah. to get. And apparently don't anymore because I never saw one of those either. Uh, This, you're right. It's not terribly like super complex, but it's got that creamy, frothy, classic root beer flavor. Yeah. You know. And I like that the can looks like a wooden barrel and they've never deviated from that. That's right. They've been doing it since 1919. I saw a meme or like a, a post online. Maybe. Uh, um, <laughs> about how uh, root beer never advertises itself. You know how you see ads for like Coke mm, and Sprite Coke all the time? And Pepsi, they're battling it out. Yeah, root beer's just like, okay, <laughs> we're here. You buy us. We don't, we're fine. We're not, we're not trying to, you know, take over the world. Okay, so we've done A&W. You, take, you choose what's second. 
Oh, I'm going to go for the other can. Let's okay. go to Barks. Okay, so we're going to start with some classics. No one can hear me because I'm across the room. I like doing this one second because I know this one's going to taste a lot different. Oh, I'm going to eat a chip first. Yeah. Right. Oh, you can really taste the Himalayas. I was going to say you can taste the kettle. Okay, here we go. Barks root beer. A lot more fizz when I open this yeah, one up. It's it's got that. You get a lot more of the carbonation on that first sip. I'm a Barks guy, like, but I think I like Barks better when you get it from the um, at a restaurant from a soda fountain. I like this more than I should admit. Like, I really like Barks, and I feel like people who really like root beer are not are are, are like turning the program off right now because most people consider it kind of a a stranger, like a, an imposter. Yeah, it's got, I mean, it's good, but it's got way, it's good as a soda, but it's got way more of that. It's just so much more bu- bubbly and fizziness and yeah. and all that. So for me, I'm I'm very surprised I'm about to do this, but I'm going to put A&W above Barks. I thought I wouldn't. Oh, I'm, but, I'm doing the same. I like, I was thinking like Barks would be at the like absolute bottom for me, but it's not, it's close to A&W for me. Okay. Okay, so now I'm going to choose. And it's the only one in like a pure silver can, which is really strange. Well, it's got this weird checkered, checked pattern on it. Yeah, I don't feel like they've changed their can But it says it's good since 1898. And I feel like they have changed their recipe because I doubt in 1898 they were getting this kind of um, (laughs) fizziness. Now, I just want to say I've been dealing with an upper respiratory thing for about a week now, and I don't think that this is going to help this whole uh, experiment we're doing right here. It actually might. (laughs) Okay. All you right. Get, like that, those bubbles go in and yeah. Right. I don't know. That could feel good on your throat. The heartburn in at about one a.m. won't. All right. Be. You pick yeah. the next one. I'm gonna pick. Let's go completely different this time and do Virgils. Oh, Virgils. Now this is like maybe the most expensive one. I mean, it's all relative, right? It's not that expensive. Maybe six bucks for four of them. But it says on here Virgils Soda Smarter. Cane sugar, naturally bold taste, handcrafted. How does one handcraft soda is what I'd like to know. It also says it is gluten-free. And they are out of Connecticut. At least they're for Reeds. Okay. Oh, Reeds. They make uh, the ginger beer. Oh, yeah. Ginger beer, ginger ale. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. Virgil's. Comes out of a bottle, and you he's got that smokiness when you pull the, the lid off. That's a... Oh, the, that's kind of cool. You see that at the top, how the... It looks like it's uh, vapor coming off the top. And it's not even cold. Oh, the smell. Vanilla. That's what I get. All right. So we've moved into something different now. This is like a whole different universe. It is. It's, that's why I wanted to, to jump into it. I, this is like the other two are corn syrup kings. And yep. this is cane sugar Vanilla, I taste honey. Yep, it's a totally uh, different mouthfeel. It's is, it's know. much less carbonation than either of them. I absolutely love this. Is it number one for you yeah. so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think we're gonna end up with similar ones, but they might start diverging here. Hold on, I gotta take another sip of and oh. it's a definitely above barks for me. A and W still might be ahead, huh? But I gotta try that A and W again. Man, the Virgils, despite having not corn syrup, 
it just has more going on. It's more complex. Yeah. So I have to make it number one because when I tried the A&W, the A&W felt boring after drinking the Virgils, yeah. even though I ate a chip as a palate cleanser. Okay, what are you doing next? Uh, let's, let's move to Hank's. I don't think I've ever had this root beer in my life. Wait, you've never had Hank's soda? Like the orange soda or the grape soda or the cream soda? None of them. Uh, they have a black cherry. I don't think I from think this brand. I think it's very popular in Philadelphia. I think it's a Philadelphia one. Oh, New England. But, but it says Philadelphia recipe on it. But, I was trying to make a Pennsylvania Oh, Oh, you're making joke. a joke about how okay. you're not very smart. Yeah, yeah got it. Okay. Um, so. Yucca extract. <clears throat> Carbonated water cane sugar. And then a bunch of other things that, you know, who knows how to pronounce any of that. There's actually not that many ingredients. Ooh. And it has. I like the smell of this one a lot. So far, I wonder what the, sh- the sugar content. So far, not by much. But this is the least amount of the sh- of sugar. And this is this says it's genuine Hanks, not like counterfeit Hanks. This is genuine Hanks, gourmet Philadelphia root beer, Philadelphia recipe root beer. That's good. That's number one for me. It's got the complexity, but it doesn't have the weird... There's something a little off about Virgil's for me, which makes me think that... It, that which makes me feel like it's not the kind of soda that I, re, that I like, that I really want. It's got just kind of a weird aftertaste. It's complex, but it doesn't have the... This, yeah, have the weird this aftertaste tastes like A&W, but better. Yeah. That's what I feel like. So for me, it's number one. Where is it for you? I think it's I think it's number two. Okay, so you've got Virgils, then Hanks, then A and W, then Barks. So far, I've got Hanks, then Virgils, then A and W, then Barks. So we both right now have glass, glass, can, can. Okay, now let's do let's do uh, Frosty now. Okay, so Frosty makes a bunch of really odd ones. Like they have a blue, yeah, raspberry, oh, yeah. and what like that, what was that soda that you used to get at Barnes and, at Barnes and Noble and. They had like photos on the label, like all kinds of different photographs, black oh, and white photographs. Man, parents, there are some parents out there that they are know exactly what we're talking about. You could send your own photos in, and they would print them on labels just for this you. This has the least, even less sugar than the, any of the other even ones. Even less. Not that it matters. But, but look how happy that like gnome looks on there. Yeah, we we're, you know, we're, this is snack time. We talk about candy the whole time. I don't really know why I'm Frosty Root Beer Company. Made Michigan. in Michigan. Oh, see, Midwesterners know their root beer. So yeah. here we go. I'm excited to try Frosty. It looks, the label looks simple. Nice. Since 1939. This one has like that, <clears throat> kind of like that honey leaning. It's very thing similar as well. to Hank's. We should do a blind taste test and see if we can tell the difference. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know if I like this. We're going to waste so much root beer tonight. Um, no. No, we're not. So I like the how the bottled ones have less caffeine. I mean, not less caffeine. They do, but less... Sugar? Uh, carbonation. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. It's smooth and creamy and all those things that I like. I like this. I mean, I like it too. I just don't know if it's... For me, it's, it's in the middle. I think I... So you're doing Virgil's, then Hank's? Nah, I'm going to put this under A&W. Okay, so you're doing Virgil's, Hank's, A&W, Frosty, and then Barks. I'm going to do... Sorry, Michiganders. Man, I don't know. I'm doing this second. I've got Hanks, then Frosty, then Virgil's. Virgil's is so good, but it just has that aftertaste, which I can't. I just 
don't know that I would want to take. Like, it'd be, I want to share a Virgil's. So, which maybe that's a sign of good things. The real reason we're doing this is to, you know, let everyone know what they can get us for Christmas. So, whatever right. ends up in exactly. those top two spots, you know, we'll take a barrel or two. We'll, we'll, it, a lot, we'll take some. We'll take some uh, some hoodies with that label that you know that make us look like root beer barrels. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we've got uh, IBC left, and we've got Boylan's. Let's do and, Boylan's. All right, so we're ending with IBC, classic childhood. So one thing we should talk about here is which label is the best, because this is a classic, clean label. Boylan's. Could, you could have designed this. This would be something I... They've got... It, the the Boylan's is on the... It's like made onto the bottle. They've got that yeah. really cool label. This is like... This is a beautiful product. This looks like it came from 1891. <laughs> <laughs> because it says that it came from 1891. Uh, I wonder if this was actually their original New Yorker. I wonder if this was their original logo, and I wonder if they've kept it the entire time, or maybe it went through iterations and then yeah. eventually they it's came a great back question. to it. It's a great. We should do some research we on it. Should Boylan Bottling Company is on the bottle, like it's their glass bottle. It's not just any old bottle with stickers put on it. Boylan since 1891 is actually. Embossed, impressed embossed onto the to the bottle. So, New York, good job, guys. This is that's why it costs extra. This is so this compares probably the most to Virgil's, but to me, it's Virgil's with the creaminess and without the extreme aftertaste. And for me, it's number one. It's but it's not that much better to me. It's not that much better than Hanks. I think it's way better. I think it's way better than anything we've had. It tastes like I it tastes like if you could have a root beer flavored donut <laughs> and then you blended it up and put it in a bottle. <laughs> so for you it's so, perfect. It's it's amazing. It's incredible. So for you it's Boylan's, then Hanks, Boylan's, Virgil's, Virgil's Hanks, Hanks, A&W, Frosty, Barks. Maybe Barks is going to end up at the bottom. I didn't think so it was going to. I've got to. Boylan, Hanks, Frosty, Virgils, A&W, Barks. And the last thing we have to try now is IBC. That's so good. Now, IBC. Let's see. Where is this one from? Since 1919. Wow. There's a lot of root beers. So what is it? Uh, A&W, IBC, 1919 root beer all came from 1919. It's a big year. I need someone needs to do some investigative journalism yeah. into the year 1919 in root beer. And I, I think, think that's when I they. I think I might be the man for the job. I think that's when they first discovered roots. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is the only bottle with a warning on it that says contents are under pressure. Bottle may burst, causing eye or other serious injury. <laughs> that's a great point. <laughs> They're concerned okay. for us. Now, this looks like it's been purchased by the Dr. Pepper 7-Up company. Oh. And um, that means, that just means that this is one of those classic bottled root beers, which has been gotten so big that somebody wanted to buy it, and it's now, you know, it's got its own lore, probably. It's, the packaging is not as good. You know, that's better than I remembered. I love this root beer. It is different. It's got something different than all the rest of them. I don't know what it is. Let's Maybe look at these ingredients. Love cornstarch. Modified cornstarch. Wow, this has that qual qualia extract qualia too. Qualia extract. That's what I'm looking for in my root beer. I want roots and qualia extract. 
It, you, does that, you don't want yucca like in Hanks? I don't. Or do I? Because I did like that Hanks. You know, Boylan's has none of those extracts, which makes me think that maybe it's what's going on there. Um, so where do you put this one? This is my number two. Your number two. I okay. really like IBC. Um, I haven't bought it in a long it's time. It's a little more of the carbonation, you know, that back of your throat it feel. It does, but I feel like this one has a little bit more like, um, take a drink quick, and then I'm going to say the word licorice as you're taking a drink and okay. see if you right. taste it. One, two, three. L- licorice. I, yeah, I can see I it. I feel like it's got some sort of like anise kind of, maybe it's tilting that way. Maybe. Huh. Okay, so. It's my number two. Where are you putting it? Can't believe I'm about to do this. Where you put? Is it at the bottom? That's in the middle. Okay. I feel like that makes sense, though. Like that's one where like people will have an opinion on it. It's not it just like me of pizza parties as a kid. What you have bad experiences? No, I no. I'm saying that like in that way it's great. <laughs> in that way it's great, but it doesn't to me have quite what I want out of the best root beer. Sure. Now we're talking about all of these are. Like, are some of our favorite drinks. <laughs> so, I will take any of them any day. Right. And be happy. I do wish we had mug here to compare. Uh, yeah, I'd love I don't to know where it would fit, but it's got the bulldog on it. That's different. Uh, I feel like that one's kind of similar to AW in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, that would be a good head to head mug and AW. And Spreckers would be up there too. But to me, yeah, I doubt Spreckers is going to be better than, I don't think for me, I had it in the last month. I don't think it would be over Boylan's or Hank's for me. That's my prediction. Um, but for me, so my order is Boylan at number one, Hank's at number two, Frosty at number three. And that surprises me as much as anything. <laughs> Four is IBC. <laughs> Five is Virgil's, which I like, but that aftertaste just gets me. It's not quite what I want out of a root beer. It's different. I can tell it's a complex, good, well-crafted drink, but it's not quite what I want out of out of a root beer. You know what Virgil's does? W and Barks. That's my list. You know what Virgil's does really well? What? Cream soda. They do have a good cream soda. Yeah. That's true. Uh, and my better ranking <laughs> is Boylan's, IBC, Virgil's, Hank's, A&W, Frosty, and then the one I said wasn't going to be at the bottom in fact, is at the bottom in Barks. And it just goes to show both of the canned ones are at the bottom. And, you know, for both of us. And the funny thing is, on another day, I might actually put A&W above Virgil's. They're close to me. The top two, Boylan's and Hank's, are my top two. And then there's a gap. Mm. That's how I feel about it. I feel the same way. And I like... But mine are different top two. I mean, I like Barks. It's just... It doesn't taste... It's, it's a great soda... But it's not a perfect root beer. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Okay. I think I think our number one being the same, we'll call that an A plus. Yep. Then like the next three are like, for me are like A or B pluses, and then the other ones are just Bs. Like we, there's nothing on here we were like that's disgusting. Right. Right. Um, which actually makes us a bit beer. more challenging. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of snack time. Brought to you by a lot of different root beers. Um, <laughs> Go check out Boylan's. Uh, I'm a big Hanks fan. If you can find either of those, check them out. Obviously, the other ones are, I think, oh, a little more easy to find. You know what people should do? They should, on our Substack on this episode, leave a comment. Tell us what root beer we should try, and we'll try to find it. There you go. There you go. Like, be like, if you have a or root better beer. better yet, send us some if we can't find it. Yeah, if you have a root beer in your 
area. Yeah, like a regional or even a local yeah. city root beer. That we haven't heard of. Well, you wouldn't know if we've heard of it, but do you think we would we should check out sometime if we ever get the chance? Let us know what it's called. I'm interested. And then maybe we'll do a little something where we t try them and compare them to our current, to these rankings. And so. don't forget to uh, leave a comment telling uh, us how much better my root beer ranking was than David's. If we had to come together and make an official Withywindle ranking, mm -hmm. what do you think we would have to do? Like, how would it look? We would, we would, we would have to and barks at the bottom, right? We would have to make charts and like do some on ice, some off. On ice. It would be a whole thing. It would be very complicated. That's fair. We'd have to like do food lab style. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about crazy words. Okay, we are back, and it is time for Spooky Words. Ooh, I didn't even think about that. Oh. Let me just Google Spooky Words <laughs> real quick. Um, okay, so we're here for Crazy Words. Oh, that was spooky. Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to scare you. <laughs> this week's... This is the, uh, this is the portion where David throws a word at me, and I dance around like a monkey... Until I tell you what it actually comes from. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. This is an interesting one because you'll have heard this. I doubt you use it regularly, but you've seen it in books and okay. I think you know what it means. Okay. <clears throat> so this week's crazy word is Donnybrook. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. okay. I know what this word okay. is. So then let's, <clears throat> it's oh, one that people have heard. But this, where you get the derivation from, I think, is going to be really interesting. So, Donnybrook. You say you think you know what it means. What yeah. does it mean? I've been in a lot of Donnybrooks when I grew up on the streets of the streets Three of Hills, Alberta, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> a Donnybrook. More than one street there? A Donnybrook. Okay, so here's where I might be wrong. Okay. A Donnybrook is a fight, but in my mind, a Donnybrook is a f like a group of people fighting another group. Yep. And I... Maybe that's wrong. Maybe it's just a person fighting another person could be considered a Donnybrook. No, I bet it's a group. Is it a group? So a Donnybrook is a brawl or a fracas, a scene of chaos, a.k.a. a, I don't know, uh, an uprising in a, or a melee or a riot. Okay, so... It's not too far from a brouhaha. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's when the brouhaha takes it's a turn. A, yeah, it takes a turn, yeah. Um, so Donnybrook, uh, yeah, I, I almost said brawl. Brawl okay. was the first word that popped into my head. So, yeah, I, I do know this one. Hooray. And okay, so I'm you know pretty what I mean, but where does it come from? It comes from Ireland. Wow. You got it. Can you say it with an Irish accent? Uh, don't, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it would just come out like Australian slash like, um, like one of those... The southern English accents. It would be a mess. It would be a mess. the word made at the end of it. Um, so, yeah, Ireland. Can you say Donnybrook in Canadian? Donnybrook. Can't be happy about that. Donnybrook, eh? <laughs> oh, I bet you know where I probably first heard this? What? Hockey. Oh, because. I bet uh, that's yeah. where I first heard it. It is broken out into a Donnybrook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the when the teams fight each other, <laughs> um, but I don't. I haven't heard they anybody drop the gloves and they're starting a Donnybrook. I don't think I've heard anybody say it in a long time. Jim, there's a Donnybrook in front of the net. But why is it Donny and Brook? That's the that's the question, I guess. 
Um, a great question. Okay, so what do you think it, why do you think that is? Play it out. Play I, it out in your head. I, uh, Don, Donnie. I have no clue. Okay. I have so no clue. I keep is, thinking of Bonnie. What, okay. It's like the, o- is it it the is, opposite? It's not. No, it's not the opposite. Um, okay. Donnie Brook is. The guy named Donnie. Okay. So is it related to a guy named Donnie? I'm sure. Is that what you're thinking? No. It's, it's not. not. It's not related to a guy named Donnie. So if it's not a guy what, or a lass, <laughs> if it's not a lad or a lass, what might it be related to? A group. Okay. Where do gr- where did groups notoriously gather in olden times? The square. And w- under what sort of circumstances? Uh, to, to, to riot. No, where what you want to go for a <laughs> brouhaha that then eventually turns into a Donnybrook. Oh, where would you... Where, where did people gather in the olden times? They gathered in the square or a field foray. We party. still have them today. A party. What kind of party? A Donnybrook or once party. a year party. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Don- Donnybrook party Donnybrook square <laughs> just say it okay Donnybrook we, now we have them we do we have rides and we might do like uh, we might show our prized pig oh the fair right the, the fair. Donnybrook fair was a real thing it was a place uh, where people would gather the Donnybrook fair was held from 1204 the year 1204 until the middle of the 19th century so for seven, wow. six centuries, the Donnybrook Fair was held. And it occasionally would uh, turn disorderly. Oh, okay. Now the town of Donnybrook... So disorderly that like a group fight got named after this yeah, place? The notion of being disorderly together became known as this place. <laughs> so all we did was take <laughs> away fair because Donnybrook Fair sounds nice. So we, had to have a, we just took it away and made a brawl into Donnybrook. Now the town of Donnybrook, that name comes from an Irish word, Domnock Brock, which means the Church of St. Brock. So ironically, oh. Donnybrook comes from a town named after a church. Wow. <laughs> I love this. So if next time you want to describe a chaotic brawl or a fracas or a melee or, I don't know, an uprising a or row. a riot, a row, <laughs> a, a, the dropping of the gloves on an ice hockey rink, <laughs> or I suppose a soccer pitch if fights yeah, ever break out but there. But uh, of all Donnybrook. those words you just said, Donnybrook is like far and away. It's the Virgils of, <laughs> of fighting terms. I, I believe we w- really mean it's the Boylans of fighting terms. Oh, sorry. The Boylans. <laughs> that's what I meant. The Boylans, which Boylans sounds uh, Irish anyway. It so. does. Oh, they've broken out. They, they've dropped the gloves and they've broken out into a Boylan. <laughs> the Donnybrook. I don't know what accent I'm doing there. Oh, man. This was great. This was a fun one. Jim, they've broken out into a Donnybrook up on the fell. <laughs> They're throwing boilings at each other. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to keep yelling the word Donnybrook into the, into the ethos and see what happens. And then we're going to come back and we're going to tell a story which may or may not involve brouhaha's and Donnybrooks. Graham, thanks for your efforts during this episode of Crazy Words. It is time for story time. And it is time for Graham to bring a story for us. And I brought one from Serbia, all the way from Serbia. I went there, got the story, and came and, back with and brought it. it back. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was, was brave of you. It was quite the trip. Uh, this story is called The Shepherd and the Dragon. Okay. It's an interesting combination. Did they have a lot of those in Serbia? 
Enough. Okay. Enough, enough for a story. Okay. <laughs> they have enough. Yeah. On a lofty mountain in Serbia, surrounded by his flock, sat a humble shepherd. The valley beneath him was veiled by a thin white haze. Oh, spooky. 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 Uh, through which he could just see the tips of the stately trees on which the frost had already laid its crimson touch. Crimson touch of frost? Should, your next book should be called The Crimson Touch. The Crimson Touch of Frost. I've never known frost to be crimson. Anyway, we'll let that one go. <laughs> well, I, maybe because of the light. Oh, maybe that makes sense. Only the contented munching of the sheep on the close-cropped grass and the trilling sweetness of a lark's song high above in the blue broke the placid stillness of the scene. Mm. The shepherd stretched himself yawning and gazed at the sea and the sky. He had nothing to do just then and little to think of, for his life flowed on in an even course, and though he often wished that something would happen, he never had been disturbed. He was gazing dreamily at the cottage beyond the sheep pens, where his wife was busy preparing his dinner, when he saw a dark form gliding stealthily through the glass. The grass, not the glass. Gliding through the grass towards a big rock. Grassing through the glide. It was followed by another form and another. They were serpents with glistening scales, and each bore in its mouth a curious root. What? To make root beer with. No, it didn't say that. Maybe root beer came from Serbia. Serpents. Ser- Serbian serpents. <laughs> um, we should start a root beer company called the Serbian Serpent. We should. Uh, so they had these roots in their mouths, uh, and then they used, they touched the rock with them. More serpents still approached and did the same thing. Until suddenly, the great rock fell asunder, showing a long passage into the ground. Asunder is a good word. It is. Into which the serpents glided one by one. In his eagerness to see what they were after, the shepherd forgot his shuddering dislike of the venomous creatures and pressed boldly into the hole. Soon he found himself in a large grotto, lit by the gleam of many precious gems that lined its walls. In its center stood a magnificent throne of gold, set with emeralds and sapphires, and coiled upon this throne was an enormous serpent with gleaming eyes. Classic dragon. The other serpents gathered round in complete silence. As the shepherd gazed in open-mouthed wonder, the Mm. great reptile closed his eyes and immediately... They were all asleep. The shepherd seized this opportunity to wander around the grotto, examining the jewels with which it was so richly encrusted and wishing he could find a way to carry some home in his pocket. Finding it impossible to detach them, though, he thought he had better depart before the serpents awoke. And so he made his way back through the long passage, but the entrance was closed and he could not get out. Spooky. Oddly enough, he felt no alarm, and returning once more to the grotto, he laid himself down beside the serpents and fell into a deep slumber. Mm. He was roused by the consciousness that the snakes were stirring. Opening his eyes, he saw that all were gazing with their heads at the grim monarch. Is it time, O king? Is it time? 
they cried. It is time, <laughs> he answered after a long pause and gliding down, gliding down from his throne, led them through the grotto back to the rock. I'm glad you went to Serbia for this one. Me too. It opened as he touched it and every serpent passed slowly out before him. The shepherd would have followed, but the snake king barred his way with an angry hiss. Let me through, I entreat you, O gracious king, begged the serpent. I shall lose my flock if I leave it any longer, and my wife will be waiting for me at home. You entered our sleeping place without an invitation, and now you must stay, replied the king. But the shepherd pleaded so earnestly for his release that the king was moved to clemency. Another good word. I will let you go this time. If you give me your solemn promise that you will reveal our hiding place to no one. The shepherd was quite ready to do this. And three <laughs> times in succession, he repeated after the serpent king, the words of a solemn oath. This was done and he was allowed to pass out of the rock. The chestnut trees in the fertile valleys were now a mass of star white blossom. And the bleeding of the lambs told him that spring had come. Greatly bewildered, he hurried toward his home, rather doubtful as to what reception his wife would give him. As he approached the door to the cottage, he saw a stranger standing by the door uh -oh. and stepped into the shadow of a bush that he might await unseen until this the stranger had left. Is your husband at home? inquired the man. As the shepherd's wife, looking pale and thin, answered his loud knock. Alas, no, was her mournful reply. I have not seen him since last autumn, when he left me to tend his flock on the mountainside. Autumn. I fear the wolves must have devoured him, and covering her head with her apron, she burst into tears. Touched by her distress, the shepherd now came forward. I am here, dear wife, he told her joyfully. The woman immediately stopped her weeping, and instead of bidding him welcome, began to scold him. <laughs> Where have you been, you lazy fellow? She demanded. <laughs> it was just like you to leave me to get through the winter as best I could. Answer me at once. The shepherd could not do this without breaking his oath. Oh. And there was something so strange. Catch 22, that. Mm. And there was something so strange in his manner as he tried to parry her questions that the curiosity of the stranger was aroused. Come, come, my good man, he said. Tell your wife the truth, and I will reward you with a piece of gold. Where did you sleep? Through, the, sketchy. <laughs> through the winter nights. And what have you been doing? I slept in the sheep pen, began the shepherd, and the stranger burst into a scornful laugh. Can you do a good scornful laugh? <laughs> Good. <laughs> you need not fancy we are the foolish of someone who's watched the simpsons <laughs> you need not fancy we are foolish enough to believe that he said out with it man we can see you are hiding something thus pressed the shepherd reluctantly confessed the existence of the grotto and the stranger who happened to be a magician in disguise forced him to not only guide him there, but to reveal the manner of the oh, entrance. No. That's not going to go well. A root that a serpent had discarded lay at their feet. And on touching the rock with this, it opened immediately and let them through. The magician coveted the splendid jewels that lined the walls of the grotto as much as the shepherd had done. 
and conned through a book of magic that he drew from the folds of his garment to see if it would tell him how to get possession of all these riches. I have it, he exclaimed. I shall now be as rich as the heart of a man can desire, and you, you, good shepherd, you will share in my wealth. And putting his book away, he was about to perform his magic uh, when he was interrupted by a terrible hiss. Unseen by the intruders, the king of the serpents had followed in the form of a green dragon and now reproached the shepherd with with much violence for having broken his oath. Spooky. His rage was so great that the shepherd thought his end had come. Throw this over his head, muttered the magician in his ear, handing him a rope. Despite the trembling of his hand, the shepherd made a cast, which was successful. And the as, first try? Yeah, first try. Nice job. And as, Pays to be a shepherd. And as the loop encircled the neck of the king, the rock burst asunder with a loud report that echoed from hill to hill. Logan, can we get a loud report that echoes from hill to hill? The next moment, the shepherd found himself flying on the back of the green dragon. Such was the speed at which the wings of the fiery creature clove the air that the rushing of the wind in his rider's face was painful to endure. They went over mountains and seas and deserts where sandstorms raged and vultures lay in wait for the fainting camels until at last they came to a wide plain watered by many rivers. The dragon flew higher and higher until the shepherd grew dizzy and lost his breath. His eyes were closed, but in the blue sky above him, he could hear the sweet, clear notes of a soaring lark. Dear bird, he cried, thou art precious to thy master who made us all. Fly up to him, I pray thee, and beg him to send me help in my sorry plight. The lark flew up to heaven as he had bidden her and returned with a green leaf from a tree in paradise in her tiny beak. Gladly, she dropped this on the dragon's head, and as it touched him, he fell to the ground and became once more a crawling serpent. When the shepherd regained consciousness, he was on the mountainside, with his flocks around him, and his faithful dog at his feet. First mention of the dog. I don't know. It's been about about time you mentioned a dog in a Serbian story. The forest was still in its autumn glory of yellow and gold. And in the distance, he could see his wife beckoning him from his cottage door. Now, that's how it should end. Oh, does it end there? It's got one more paragraph. Oh, okay. I must have been dreaming, he said. (laughs) As with thankful heart, he went home to his dinner. He lived to a ripe old age in peace and quietness, and never again did he wish that something strange would happen. (laughs) Like, we know we get it. He was, well, or maybe we don't. Maybe he wasn't dreaming. Maybe it's, yeah, but no, no, I guess he must have been dreaming. Or, or, but either way, we now know that he, we, you're right. We we didn't need that. We didn't need we that didn't little lesson part. at the end. Uh, yeah, okay, right. that was the shepherd and the dragon. And we don't know who it's by. We just know that it's a Serbian story. Uh, that's all I could find. Bo- Boris the Serbian is Boris a Serbian name? I doubt it. Joe. Oh, it's by Donnybrook Boylan's. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I gotta write that name down. Boylan Donnybrook would be an amazing name for like a villain or like a like a Donnybrook would be a, an amazing name for a sidekick or something in a detective story. 
Okay, we're going to take a quick break now. And when we come back, we're going to introduce you to our very special guest, uh, Andrew Peterson, who's back on the show. So give us just one minute to drink some more root beer or maybe use the bathroom because of all the root beer we've been drinking. And we will tell you all about him in just a second. Thanks for allowing us to take a quick break. It is now time to introduce you to our very special guest. That's Andrew Peterson. Now, you know him because he's been on the show a couple of times. This, I think, is his third time on the show. And he is the award-winning author of The Wingfeather Saga, which, of course, is a four-book fantasy adventure series for young people, uh, which is described as The Princess Bride Meets the Lord of the Rings. They have been released as collectible hardcover editions through Penguin Random House. And there is also, of course, a very special uh, animated series through Angel Studios, which you heard about in the last season of this show. That came out last year, and season two is what they're working on right now. Now, today is November 6th, which means that tomorrow, on November 7th, if you're listening to this when it came out, it's tomorrow, he has a new book out called A Guide to Glipwood Forest. And he tells us about that in this conversation. But this book, it looks awesome. It looks so cool. He worked on it with his son, as he talked about. And I hope you will go grab this from wherever you get books, uh, whether it's our shop or uh, Amazon or your local bookstore or something like that. Uh, go check out Andrew Peterson's book. Support his books. Watch his show so that he gets to keep making more and more great content. But Andrew's one of our favorite guests. Without further ado, let's get it over to him. So this is our conversation with Andrew Peterson. Well, we are back with Andrew Peterson. It's uh, technically Andrew's third time on the show, second time solo as a solo guest. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us again. Yeah, of course. Good to see you guys again. This is going to be fun. The kids are um, very excited. We posted a call for questions and we got... Too uh, many. A lot of... Too many questions. So many questions, we won't be able to cover all of them. Um, But we'll we'll do our best. Uh, So some of them, we might do a little rapid fire. Some of them, Andrew, dig in as deep as you want to go. And then at the end, we'll do a quiz. Now, Andrew, in the first episode that you came on, which actually I believe was our second or third episode ever... We, we were early on in a tradition of asking our guests whether they prefer Cheetos or Doritos. It has, it's a tradition that has continued on. That was a question that was asked by one of the, the listeners early on in the show. Uh, I think S.D. Smith was the first one to have to encounter that one. You said Doritos, I have something like Doritos all the way, original Doritos. So we'll just ask you before we move on to other questions about food that the kids sent in. <laughs> Does that still is that still the thing for you? Is it still Doritos, the OG Dorito flavor? I actually, as soon as that came up in my mind, I thought Doritos all the way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, so yeah, I haven't changed. Same thing. <laughs> yep. It's the best best stuff on your fingers. It's yeah. uh, the crunch is right on. Um, yeah, Doritos. I'm a Doritos man. Okay. So this we're gonna we're gonna because you've been on before, we're gonna kind of shift gears. Some of the kids who are listening that are used to some of the normal. Uh, food and drink related questions will be a little surprised at these next few. So it's, hopefully it's a fun surprise. But Andrew, this is a question from David related to, to food. Um, fudge sickles or orange creamsicles? Orange creamsicles all the way. <laughs> He's, he knows right away, right away. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I like chocolate, but I don't love chocolate. Like my wife okay. is a huge, she's a chocolate fiend. Okay. And I just, I like little bits of chocolate in a thing, but I don't like just only chocolate. And so I okay. will always go for like the, the, the blonde cake over the chocolate cake or okay. in this case, the creamsicle over the fudgesicle. All day. And the fudgesicle is not even real chocolate. It's the imitation yeah, yeah. of the thing that you're not a huge fan of anyway. 
<laughs> yeah, it's the, the whole. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's, I'm sure the orange cream is an actual orange either. So, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> or or actually cream? You know? yeah, yeah. So uh, no, it's I just like fruity stuff. Are you so? Are you a sweet tooth person? We usually ask that too. But like, do you is it salty, savory, or sweet for you? I'm savory uh, most of the time. My, when we got married, I just never ate desserts, and my wife mm. loves loves a good dessert, and she has worn me down over the years. So now I, I really love. My thing is uh, lately it's been ice cream, but this is this is something I've been doing mm. for years that uh, that I just realized everybody doesn't do, which is I make a faux shake out of my ice cream. So I'll, I'll put my ice cream in a glass. Okay. Kind of match it down, and then I add milk. So we're, I'm an almond milk person or an oat milk guy, and yeah. typically non dairy ice cream. But I, I will definitely take some lactate and not not think about it. But the uh, yeah. when you're yeah, cheating, it's you, an ice cream. Yeah, if you pour about you know an inch or two of milk in the glass with the ice cream and just kind of stir it around, you get an okay. instant shake. And if it's cookie dough ice cream, all the cookie dough floats to the bottom, so you oh. get this bonus at the end. So it's a, it's a that's it, a free it, tip. Almost exclusively how I eat ice cream. So you know, I'm when I'm done here, I may have to go to the freezer and uh, try this out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have two more food-related questions here. Now, you just said that you're. Uh, we had a question from Anna. You like chocolate or fruity candies more? You're a, is fruity candy would be the answer to that then? Yeah, but so there. Here's the inconsistency. Like I M and M's. Peanut, uh, peanut, peanut butter uh, cups, that kind of thing. Like if okay. that counts as chocolate, I'll go with that. Mm. more than i would like a uh a jujube or something like that or yeah. a, hand, a handful of nerds one of my favorite questions like this is what what version of a reese's peanut butter cup is your favorite version so uh-huh. so we literally yeah. just did an episode where during we have a snack time segment we ranked all we went and bought eight different reese's varieties and uh-huh. we ranked them so what's yours what's your favorite I, I I mean it's like these are narrow margins, you know. Sure. Oh, it's of all course. good. It's Reese's, but yeah. I like the minis the best. Like the uh, a small Reese's cup because I think that the ratio chocolate to peanut butter ratio is great, and uh-huh. I like it if it's if it's slightly chilled. Like I don't like it to okay. be too gooey. Like yep. so you, to where when you bite into it, and I'll I'll I won't pop the whole thing even if it's in one of the small cups. I'll eat it in two bites. Yeah, because I like the pointy to feel the kind of pointy yeah, edges of it. The you know? ridges, yeah. Oh, it's so good, isn't it? So anyway, yeah. That, <laughs> and, and it's also a nostalgia for me because I remember when I was growing up in this little town, Lake Butler, Florida, there was, you know, it was like this Mayberry little town and I could walk across the street to Andrew's Drugstore, which was uh, kind of the local pharmacy slash diner for the farmers. Mm. And so you'd walk in there and, and there'd be the pharmacy and kind of the general store vibe. But there was also a little counter where all these kind of old guys would be sitting around eating eggs and, and co- drinking coffee. And I would, uh, would pilfer um, nickels from my dad's desk drawer because those little Reese's cups were a nickel a piece. Oh, yeah. And I would, I would sneak over there. I would find a nickel, run over there and pop one of those. Uh, so, yeah, it brings back my – I was barefoot, you know, looked like Tom Sawyer. <laughs> it was, it was ridiculous just just <laughs> covered in the peanut butter and chocolate all totally over. totally yep. future character in a book um okay uh one more food question here um now i, I like- have some questions i have some <laughs> questions about the categorization happening here but this is from gianna um who asks avocado or raisins 
Well, that is a weird category. Avocado. Uh, I do like raisins. Like I like raisin bran. I like raisins in things. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, I, I love Mexican food okay. and guacamole in particular. Yeah. You may not remember this, but the first time I ever met you, we actually happened to meet at a Mexican restaurant outside of Nashville. No kidding. Yeah, that was a long time ago. It was before wow. our room. <laughs> <laughs> that is a long time ago. Um, okay, so, uh, Graham, I think that's about all the time we have for food questions. So, uh, let's, <laughs> I think we should probably move on. Now. I'm loving this. I, w- I would do this all day long. <laughs> okay, we'll circle back then. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, Andrew, we want to give you a chance to talk about your latest book. Um, could you give us kind of a two-minute summary of, of what it is and what it's about? Yeah, it's it's about the kind of preeminence of Reese's Cup minis <laughs> and guacamole. Um, <laughs> no, it, it, it's <laughs> it's called uh, a Ranger's Guide to Glipwood Forest. I wrote it. I finished it last year, and it was so fun to write. Like um, the so Pembroke's Creaturepedia is like this kind of fun, you know, beastery that came out with the wing feather books, my son illustrated. So there, there was a first edition of Pembroke that was illustrated by my son, Aiden, when he was 16 years old. Um, and then when we, uh, when random penguin random house re-released the books, they did a new version of that. And Aiden at this point is, was like 20 and he was like, can I please have another go at those sketches? And so he redrew all of the creatures, uh, with, mm. you know, his art just gets better and better all the time. And, uh, and so this time they were like, Hey, what if we did another fun, you know, uh, like a bonus ancillary book for the, for the wing feather saga. And, uh, and so the idea was it's, it's called a ranger's guide to Glipwood forest. And it's, it's like a footpath guide. Um, I, if you oh, guys know a, me, that's all, awesome. Yeah. 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 You know, you know that I love walking footpaths, um, spe- specifically English footpaths. If you go over to the UK, you know, for those of you guys who, listening who haven't been or don't know this, there are like 144,000 miles of public footpaths that wind through the countryside, all through farmland. You're hopping fences, you know, sneaking past cows. I mean, sometimes you're literally walking past the barn where the farmer is working and he'll, he'll just kind of wave at you, you know? So it's this really fun way to see the countryside. And, uh, and there are these guidebooks that you can buy, that will give you like, you know, a, a group of three mile circular walks in, in, uh, the Yorkshire Dales or whatever. Yeah. And you buy oh, yeah. these books and it walks you through and they've got little bonuses. Like these are the pubs that you'll pass on the way. These are the villages. This is the, the ruins that you'll pass a stone age fort. You know, you can still see sticking out of the ground. And I was like, Oh man, what if there was a, a guide to Glipwood forest that was in the same tradition? So I pretended like I was writing, uh, uh, a walking guide to the forest, but it's written by uh, Owen Groverly, who is the mm. uh, in the second epic, which is hundreds and hundreds of years before the events of the Wingfeather Saga, uh, telling about the very first group of rangers who tamed the forest. And so it's the it's Glipwood's original Rangers Guild, which is the acronym spells Gorg. So it's the Gorg, <laughs> and uh, and he tells his story of his. Uh, the warriors and traveling companions that that first tamed Glipwood Forest, and man, it was so. Fu- what was so fun about writing it was that the, it was low pressure. You know, it was like you're not feeling like I've got to write write this big grand epic tale. Like I'm just writing a little fun snippet guidebook of the thing. But to go back and imagine what Glipwood, the Glipwood Township, would have been like a few hundred years before Janet Rigby showed up, or uh, 
ankle jelly manor like before ankle jelly manor yeah. was built what was there and uh and so it was really fun to and i ended up kind of stumbling on like things like uh i remember the beginning of the book how owen groverly the narrator is describing the fact that uh glipwood forest was you know the timber of the forest was used to build dugtown and torboro these two towns mm. um which feature in the books. And I was imagining, you know, that's, that's part of why the forest got kind of carved out near the cities. Um, and that in the operations where the guys were cutting down the, the logs, they had often had fires, which um, the for the creatures of the forest, the toothy cows and horned hounds in particular uh, took issue with these guys that were cutting down the woods. And that's why they hate fire. Whenever there's <laughs> fire, they show up and they, they would try to, you know, trample the, the 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 woodsmen the, uh, the lumberjacks and so that kind of was what led to the events of book one where the creatures hate the smell of fire they, or they come running whenever there's a fire so it was fun to like dig into the history of the world and 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 happen upon some easter eggs that i didn't even know were there so i was in england in may and um i'd never been before my wife and i went it was like one of those trips we've saved up for for a long time and like kind of our dream trip and we we did a uh, we hiked a footpath among many other things um, for like a whole day, which is not long enough really. But in the Cotswolds, so we basically hiked oh. from the northern Cotswolds down to the southern Cotswolds, and it was exactly what you're describing. Like you walk past, there's this old manor that was was originally the house, probably in 1850 of the estate, and then now there's this perfectly quaint little farm and there's a farmer out there with his border collies and his his sheep are walking across the path and you have to let him go and they just chat with you for a second feel like you're about to have great, right? a cup of tea it's amazing um it, really I, it, was, amazing. it was honestly one of the best like aside from it was one of the best most enjoyable experiences i've ever had you know let's take out like the birth of my children the day i got married great accomplishments sure. and things like that it was just one of the most purely pleasant and enjoyable days i've ever had and it was so muddy and rainy it was exactly what you would want it to be you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then when you finally get to the pub or whatever at the end of the yeah. walk and you cozy up by the fire it's oh, just yeah. it, there's something really wonderful about it and i i so like you know if i could snap my fingers and change one thing about america it would be the addition of those footpaths i just wish that we could do that because it's just as pretty here we just can't can't we can't get to it all because yeah. you know it's fenced off yeah, we, mm. and we just have like a different culture of of that but while i was walking i was thinking about your book uh, god of the garden a lot and yeah. uh, so that's so um, cool yeah Okay, so um, we have, as I said, so many questions here. Um, let's can, do I, a, can I add one thing? I just remember. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mention the fact that Aiden illustrated the Ranger's Guide to Glowfood Forest. That, that's what I was getting to. Is he illustrated oh, all yeah. the Creaturepedia stuff? And then he was. I mean, now he's he's about to turn twenty five, and he's just one of the best illustrators I've ever. Like, if I mm. didn't, if I wasn't related to him, I would be like stalking his Instagram, you know, he's so, so good. And, <laughs> and, uh, it's so cool to, to once again, get to sh share this part of my life with, with one of my favorite human beings. And, uh, yeah, and so I can't, that, it's my favorite part of the book is the illustrations. It's so good. So just as a reminder, when this episode, when kids are hearing this or when they first have the option to hear it anyway, it's November 6th, it's Monday. So the book comes out tomorrow. Now, if you're listening to it a couple of days later, it's already out and available, but definitely go check this book out at, you know, the bookstores in your area or, you know, online. Um, okay. A couple of questions here from some kids who are, uh, you know, huge wing feather fans. Uh, let's do this one from Lucy first. Um, and you mentioned, you kind of described yourself very briefly there as, as the kid. 
And she wants to know which of the wing feather kids were you uh, were you most like? Hmm. Probably Calmar. Yeah, I was I was um, pretty impulsive. Um, I was a class clown. Um, really squirmy. Um, I, I was. I read plenty of books, but I, I I seldom read the books that I was assigned to read in school. You know, uh, yeah. and I spent. You know, one thing that I'm really grateful for is growing up in the '80s when kids could be outside all the time. And, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I, I did have one of those childhoods where I could, you know, be out until dinner time at dark and just roam the town on my bicycle or my skateboard. And, uh, I spent lots of time, um, just kind of being mischievous with my friends, you know, uh, yeah. building tree forts and, you know, I, that kind of thing. So yeah, I would say Calmar, I was more, way more impulsive than Janner is. <laughs> So you grew up in Florida. Was there like anything? You think that was just the eighties in general, or was it particular to your area? Uh, it was. It was the eighties in general. You know, I've I've heard people say this that like, we were one of the last generations to grow up wholly without the internet and uh, yeah, yeah, and um, no cell phones. Um, so we were right at the edge of all that, and so it was. It really was this, and it was the fact that I was growing up mostly in this small town in Florida, but also in Illinois. Um, mm. My parents just happened to live in. It was a short stint when we were in Jacksonville, and those are probably my least favorite years of growing up. But um, yeah, being being in a place where there was uh, a town, there was a community. You know, there were people that you yeah. could go ride your bike across town to see, but there were also woods nearby. You could you could always kind of there was always some way to uh, get in touch with, with nature. You know, I remember even when I was a kid, my, at my grandma's farm in South Florida, um, you know, it was really swampy parts of the land where we would see alligators. I remember my brother and I, um, there was an alligator that would sun itself uh, in, in the middle of the afternoon, climb up on the bank. And we, we had a two by four with a nail through the end of it that we were like going to hide and try to slay the dragon. And, <laughs> and, you know, of course it would run away before we ever got close to it. But when I think about that now, I'm like, my parents didn't know where we were, but we were like literally, uh, messing with lizards that were big enough to eat you. And, uh, <laughs> that, that happens in the world that we live in right now. Isn't that an amazing thought? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that that was the that was what my childhood was like in many ways. I'm very grateful for it. So staying on this line of characters, I'm going to work two questions in. Uh, these are from Asher and Elena. Asher wants to know if you have a favorite of your characters you've created, and Elena mm-hmm. is asking if you could write an origin story for any of the side characters. Who would you choose? Oh man. Good question. I, the the favorite character question is hard to answer because I'm partial to all of them. Um, you know, there's a little bit of me in, in everybody, even even some of the bad guys. You know, uh, I, um, yeah, it just changes depending on what I have for breakfast, um, and so I, I, I'm not exactly sure. So the uh, as far as writing a, a backstory, wow, that's I have never thought about that. Um, did you guys ever read Ender's Game? Uh, yeah, you know yeah, but yeah, Orson ago, yeah. Scott Card, yeah. really good book. I mean, just a solid sci-fi story. The, he wrote, you know, there's a whole series, but one of the later books is called Ender's Shadow, and it's Bean, who's one of his friends in the in the school, and he tells the same story from Ender's Game through the eyes of another character, 
at the same mm-hmm. time. And it's so good. Like I can't imagine getting my head around trying to write like, you know, the wing feather saga all over again from like Borley from the fork factory's perspective. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just think that would be, it would be a fun experiment. Uh, but I think uh, I, if I could go back, um, people have asked about this. I probably will never do it, but there's something that's kind of intriguing to me about writing about Anira with Esben and Artham as brothers um, when they were young and um, before Nag came to power. I think that would be really fun just to, just to see what their, their relationship would have been like before everything went sideways. So we have a question here from Riley and, and I do want to come back to this um, alligator thing at some point. I think we need to (laughs) sit on that for a minute. Um, But we'll come back to that in a second because I think related to what you're talking about here is a question from Riley who says, um, I love the Wingfeather saga. I'm a writer and I would like to know how you crafted such a detailed world. I'm dabbling in creating my own made-up world and would like some tips on how you created incredible names for the creatures and landmarks around the Igby children's world. Thanks, she says. This is Riley. Thanks, Riley. Um, You know, uh, everything you've ever read or listened to or experienced in your life is potential story fodder you know like you can you can draw from everything you've read everything you've experienced um and so everything we make is is touched by the stuff that you're consuming so first of all make sure that or try as hard as you can to to to, uh discerningly read read good books and listen to good music and and pay attention to the stuff that you're you're consuming um there's nothing wrong with eating candy once in a while, but also try to eat your vegetables. You know, (laughs) um, it's like, I'm that way. Like I, my, um, I love reading mystery stories. And so when I'm on like the season kind of after Christmas and before things really kick in in January is like this fun, nobody needs me right now. And I, or if Mm -hmm. I'm on vacation, I will gravitate to some really good detective story. And, uh, and it's not like that's not edifying. That can be edifying, but I'm, I know I'm reading for fun in that moment. And at the same time I have like Dante's Inferno on my, on my nightstand and I'm trying to force myself to read my way through it because it's a classic. Does that make sense? So I think that, uh, that making sure that your imagination is, is your imagination is being informed by good with a capital G stories. And, uh, that's, that's a huge, and then when you sit down to write your own story, you have all that to draw from like, um, you know, it's it's kind of fun to me to read C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy because there are little nods to Tolkien in there. You know, there are certain character names that he'll. I and I'm I don't remember what they are right now, but there are characters in the Space Trilogy that are named after Lord of the Rings characters that that I, I think were before Lord of the Rings was out. Uh, I think it was like just because they were friends, and so he was you know, a fanboy of, of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, yeah. the, the original fanboy. And so he was drawing names, you know, from that place. So that, that's what I would say. Um, and then also just have a great time building the world, but, but don't, don't have so much fun building the world that you never write the story. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like it is so important if you're writing fantasy to, to do your research, quote unquote, but you also, you could just do all that part and never write the story. The most important thing is finishing the story. Hmm. All right. Here is a question. Uh, this one comes from uh, three kids, rain blaze and breeze. Uh, they want to know which dragon song 
do you think is more epic? The Wagon, <laughs> the song you, you made with Randall Goodgame, or Jurgen Tune? <laughs> I'm going to go with Good Game. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, I had forgotten about that. That's so funny. Um, amazing. So, yeah. I mean, Jurgen's Tune, uh, for sure. And, man, I just have to say... Uh, what a dream to have a band like the Arcadian Wild write the music to this, you know, thing. I was uh, just telling somebody this. My daughter got married this past weekend. Well, whenever this comes out, my daughter got married this fall, I should say. And uh, I was in charge of um, going through all the old pictures for the slideshow for the rehearsal mm. dinner. Mm. And I just spent like four hours crying, you know, going back through all yeah. these pictures of our family and Sky's little girl, all the things. Uh, but it was interesting to me to see uh, that how far back wing feather stuff was like when she was a baby, I was happening upon sketches of toothy cows and, and maps and that kind of thing. Um, and so, uh, anyway, all that to say that far back, if you had told me that Arcadian wild was one day going to write the music for Jurgen's tune and then sing it on the soundtrack, I would have not believed you. Well, <laughs> for starters, they were in like eighth grade at the time. So they, they, were, <laughs> they weren't a bit, but you know, to, to have this, these little seeds of ideas yeah. 20 years later become this, this thing that it feels more real than it did before. It's just a huge gift. As a father of a daughter who is my youngest child and only having one daughter, I'm getting all the feels from what you're talking Dude, about here. Get ready. But she's only about to be five. So, <laughs> oh, but it goes so fast, David. <laughs> I hear that. That's what they say. <laughs> Speaking of um, of dragons, though, we have a question here from William. And, you know, this does apply to the, your alligator conversation, I think. Uh, William would like to know if you have any tips for slaying a dragon. <laughs> uh, piece of two by four with a nail through the end of it is probably your, oh, your okay. best bet. Okay. Yeah. All right. There you go. <laughs> um. A uh, question here from Emily. How long does it usually take you to finish writing a book? Um, it, Like the Ranger's Guide to Glipwood Forest took me a, maybe two months, something like that. It was, it was not a, it's, it's not super long. And it also was more of a fun thought experiment than it was a big story. You know, yeah. um, the first wing feather book took five years. Um, all the rest of them took a year to, year and a half, something like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say, uh, if I had a year of, with nothing else going on, I could, I could, you know, you can make yourself write a book in that amount of time, um, yeah. any faster. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't really trust it. <laughs> yeah. So here's ben, a question. Here's a question. Um, we got it in various forms from various kids. So Joshua, James, Julie, Joy, Catherine, and Tiana are all incredibly interested in knowing if you are going to write a different series, a series set in a different world. Oh, I would love to. Yes. The, the short answer is yes. If I live long enough, I really want to do that. Um, I'm, I'm currently working on a, a standalone uh, um, young adult adventure story um, that for um, my publisher, B&H. Um, and it's a book that I, I agreed to write back in 2020. Um, when I, when I, um, wrote God of the garden, it was a two book deal. It was one memoir and then one, you know, young adult adventure story. And, uh, and I wrote God of the garden, but I, things have just been so busy with the TV show and touring and all that kind of stuff. They've been very patiently waiting for me to turn in the book. And I, and I have some, I've made some progress and I can't wait to see how it turns out. Um, 
all that to say, the short answer is yes, I hope to. I, w- I would love to. It's like some of the best memories in my life are of, of when I was um, in a rhythm. I wasn't touring. I was able to be home with the family. I would go to the coffee shop for four or five hours a day and just spin a tail and then come home yeah. for dinner exhausted. But but I was able to do the creative work while also being really rooted in my community, you know, mm. um, yeah. which music doesn't always give you that opportunity. Mm. So I would love to do it again. We have a question here from Eliana, which I think is a is a good uh, follow up to this one. If you had to choose one kind of book genre to write about for a year, what would it be? I assume I think she means like what kind of genre would you want to write in? Like yeah, wow, what kind of story would you like it's, to tell? You have one year to do it. You ha- you have to yeah. spend the whole year in that genre. <laughs> and you've been given uh, those four to five hours again at the coffee. Yeah, shop. there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. That's so fun. Um, I would. I think I would like to write a murder mystery. Oh yeah, I, I think Ooh. it would be really fun to to write. Uh, to you know, I just love how um, you know whether it's Father Brown and G.K. Chesterton, mm-hmm. you know, or Dorothy Sayers and the Adam Dogwish book. Like when when you you happen upon a really good detective character, um, then you could write the rest of your life. You could just keep you going back to that character and having a new situation. And so I've been thinking for years. Uh, to, and I've got ideas, you know, but I would love to 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 happen upon the right character with the right name and yeah. spend a year trying to write a really fun, uh, uh, high stakes adventure story, um, for grownups or kids related. Have you ever read Edmund Crispin? No. Oh, it's a name that him. I know, but I don't, I don't know. Oh wait, is that the moving, wh- the moving toy I, shop? I've almost it, bought that book like four times. Is it good? It's so good. The puzzle is not the best, but the whole thing takes place in Oxford. So if you like England, and it's very literary, it's full of literary. The, they, the detective is also an, uh, a professor of English at Oxford. Oh, that's great. So that's great. It's like a it's I've, PG Woodhouse meets Dorothy Sayers is what I like to say. Oh, I love that. In in Oxford, I was there this summer, and they have in uh, Blackwell's in the like the yeah, kind of main yeah. bookshop downtown. They've got you know the the section of Oxford books, you know. Books yeah, written yeah. about Oxford are inspired by with all the Tolkien and Lewis stuff. And that book is always on the shelf. And I've been so tempted to read it. Okay. You, He's good. You, you should read it. Over the edge. Okay. You should read it. Um, okay, Graham. Before we go to, we can just talk about mysteries for forever. Yeah, I should jump in here. All right. William <laughs> wants to know, this is a fun question. I don't think we've ever had this one. Uh, he wants to know what your favorite sport is. He doesn't specify Ooh. whether it's playing or watching. Yeah, yeah. Um, I ha- am a new fan of soccer. I have loved soccer lately. The uh, Nashville Soccer Club. We just had a. We have a major league soccer team here in the city now, and uh, our stadium is the biggest one in North America. I think like they just kind of win all out and build this big, beautiful stadium. So we go to every game that we're in town for, and I just nice. love it. It is so fun, and it's fun to like partly because it's got a low threshold. You don't have to know like a million rules like you do in oh, yeah. football or baseball. Which I, I like watching like World Series games. It, I would have said baseball before I fell in love with soccer, but um man it's just and it also i love the fact that it's just it's riveting to watch but also uh i feel like we're we're a part of the global community when we're there Mm. you know what i mean Mm. like it's like the whole world has been in on this for many many years in america we've just kind of missed the boat and and watching the world cup last year was just this amazing experience and so yeah i'm not a sports guy but i do really like watching soccer 
So anytime I see your soccer team's logo or name, which is Nashville SC, uh, we live in NC, North Carolina. So SC is always South Carolina for us. So I'm like, where's Nashville, South Carolina? (laughs) Um, All right. So here's a good question from Eleanor. She wants to know, do you prefer science fiction or fantasy books? Hmm. I mean, if I had to come down on one side or the other, I would say fantasy. Um, I think sci-fi is best when it's um, philosophical. Like Mm. science fiction is really good for taking a weird idea and going, oh, I wonder what it would be like if this happened. And you can kind of get into like – kind of hold up an idea and look at it from a completely different angle than we're used to. Fantasy strikes me as being more about um, just the grand tale, the big story um, rather than some unique twisty idea. Um, And so I I tend to get more excited about getting swept up in a big story than I, than I do about like just, Oh, well, here's an interesting way of looking at this, you know, and and sci-fi can, can do both obviously. Um, But um, if I had to choose one or either, either, uh, an interesting idea or a grand tale, I would always choose the grand tale. Hmm. So I don't know if you can answer this one. This is from Eva. This might be one of those ones, like, which is your favorite child, but which wing feather saga book are you most proud of? Hmm. Which I guess is a very specific way of thinking about that. That question yeah. people sometimes get, I think book four, uh, is the one that, you know, when I reread the books for the audiobooks and the Facebook Live thing, uh, I I cringed a lot when I was reading the first few books. You know, <laughs> there there are moments in the books where I'm like, ah, I wish I could go. You know, you can, I could feel that I was still figuring it out. But by book four, um, as I was reading it out loud, I I for long passages forgot that I was the one that wrote it. You know, because mm-hmm. the, it felt like a a real book. You know, I'm a real boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it it did feel like it and, and you know it was the most complex plot and it was the it was the landing of the plane and so that that was the one i'm probably most proud of i i do have a real soft spot for monster in the hollows though as as far as it being um a smaller self-contained story um i really like i think i i think that was probably my favorite book but i'm most proud of book four does that make mm. sense yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah Graham, should we do a couple more and then turn to the quiz? Let's do that, yeah. So I wanted to make sure we got to this one uh, from Rhiannon. Uh, She asks, which position (laughs) of the jewels would you want to be? A throne warden, a king, a song master, or a lore wane? Whoa. Um, Probably a song master. Because as much (laughs) as I like writing books, uh, I still love music so much. And, uh, and, um, yeah, I've, the, over the last few years, you know, I've, I've toured a little bit less, but we're still doing the Christmas tour and the Easter show, um, pretty, pretty regularly. But when I was in, uh, in the UK this summer, I did some solo shows, like solo acoustic shows, no band. It was just me and a guitar on the stage, uh, and a piano. And, um, I, I think I, it was, it was kind of like going back in time, 20 years in my music career to how I started doing this when I was in college and it just, uh, it reminded me how much I love, uh, I love sharing stories that way, but particularly, you know, the, 
I think a lot about how in the Psalms, um, the psalmists talk about making known the deeds of the Lord among the nations. Um, this idea that part of what, if you're a Christian, one of the things we get to do is to like proclaim, look what the Lord has done. And, uh, and I, I think there's an element of that in the wing feather books, but, but it, it comes into sharp focus when I'm standing on the stage sharing songs. And so I really love, uh, getting to do music. I hope I get to do it forever. Um, but yeah, I don't, I'm not too interested in being a throne warden or a king. It's too much responsibility. <laughs> Graham, I just I uh, was looking the other day. I believe that his music tour is coming to North Carolina in mid-December. So maybe we should either go to Boone or Greenville, South Carolina, and just actually go listen to him play some music. What do you think? I, Come I on. like I like both of those towns. So <laughs> we'll yes. record. We'll do we'll do a live with the window video uh, video outside in in like in the car. Uh, I don't know why <laughs> we want awesome. to tune in for no, that. No, I'm but. starting to like this idea less now. But <laughs> you're bringing work into it. Oh right, okay, okay. Let's do one more here, and then uh, Graham's got a quiz for you. Um, uh, let's see. There's so many here. I'm, I'm trying. Uh... Okay, let's do this one from Ray. Were there any dramatic changes that took place in the editing of the Wing Feather Saga? And if so, what were they? Is there anything you can share about maybe anything that changed as you were thinking about it and editing it and coming to, yeah. to the point where you had to get um, it out there? Mm-hmm. Um, let me think about it really quick. There's one obvious one, but I'm trying to think if there's any others. Um, I would say, well, I'll just go for the obvious one. Maybe it'll jog a memory um, without being specific uh, because I don't want to spoil anything. I thought for basically the entirety of the the writing of all four books that the ending, the very ending of book four was going to go the other way. Hmm. Does that make sense? I'm, pre- I'm being vague on purpose. Yeah, so if you were no spoiler well, alerts, just one yeah, of you no readers spoilers. out there, uh, if, if, if you know what I'm talking about, I really thought the whole time that, um, yeah. So when I got to the to the last scene, uh, the, or, or the moment right before that big last scene, and uh, they're at the castle risen, the ruins of Castle Risen, and um, Kalmar can't sleep, and he's and Janner finds him kind of wandering through the ruins late that night, and then the next morning they've fallen asleep, you know, leaning against the stone wall. It's actually the original illustration is hanging on my wall right now. And it's my favorite moment in the whole story. Um, Mm -hmm. And I got to that part and I knew that this next scene was coming and I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't know if this is right yet. So I stopped the writing of the book right there and I went all the way back to the beginning and began the editing process um, so that I could really know the story, like remind myself of the story as I, and, and get to that part a second time knowing what I knew and it became so clear to me that I, I was wrong, that, that, that the ending was always meant to be something else. And I started crying. <laughs> I remember just thinking, oh, I saw the whole thing and, and got really emotional. And uh, so that's, a, that's the kind of thing that if I had just barreled through and just written without pausing and without the editing process, I'm not sure that I would have landed there. And I probably would have done something the story didn't want me to do. Hmm. Um, but the editing of the process. So it was kind of like going back and editing the book gave me the realization that Janner's central flaw was always selfishness. Hmm. Um, that was the thing that it was always there. And if you read the books, I think that's pretty apparent, but it wasn't. I was standing too close to the painting to see what it was. And then when I realized, oh, that's that's who he really is. I was able to, you know, flesh out 
the uh, the scene where Cal goes down into the vein of fire, but Janner can't go, um, and really know what that moment meant for Janner um, in a new way. So all that to say, that's just kind of how editing works anyway. You, you, you're right. Yeah. You write the story and you don't really know what the story is until you go back. And now you mm-hmm. can see what the themes always were meant to be. And then you, you draw them out, you know, you put flesh on them a little bit more. And so that's, that's the obvious answer mm-hmm. to me. It, it must be uh pretty incredible to know that the stories that mean so much to you that you know such that you would come to a realization about characters or about the world and it would bring you to tears uh that must be pretty incredible to know that how much other people care about it as well like you handed it off to them and they they actually love it the way you do yeah it is the most amazing and the fact that there are all these questions from all these readers (laughs) is just one of the greatest like we'll get off this call and i'll be floating all day (laughs) It, it means the world to me that that these these young people care are this invested in the story i just you know it's it's one thing for a grown-up to like a story but if a kid likes your story it means they really like the story you know what i mean Mm, yeah Um, yeah. i take it i take it as a higher compliment so so Mm. i'm grateful well let's go ahead and put a damper on that feeling (laughs) 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 all right andrew you ready it's time for a quiz graham has prepared a quiz for you and i don't know the questions either or the answers Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Andrew, uh, in honor of um, A Ranger's Guide to Glipwood Forest uh, coming out, I have uh, devised a forest-themed quiz for you. Um, okay. Now, these, uh, all the answers are, uh, or all the questions are multiple choice. Um, so, you will, you will have things to choose from. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Question number one. We're going to start off easy. Uh, a forest says that. A forest, as we all know, is a large area covered chiefly with trees and undergrowth. But where did the word forest come from? <gasps> here are your I used options. To, I used to know this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, here are your options. Okay. Uh, is it A, it's named after Sir Samuel Forrest, the first person to discover them? Uh, is it B, Latin? From forest, meaning outside, is it C, from the Greek, forsos, meaning place where I can go sing loudly, or is it D, from the old Entish, foralalarumba kamandabrum, meaning home? What was B again? Read me, what was that, B? Uh, B is Latin, forest, meaning outside. I'm pretty sure that's it. And you don't think it's Sir Samuel Forrest? I, I do not. <laughs> well, is I'm it, pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you are correct. Yes, that yeah. is it. nice. All right. So, so it just meant outside. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Like because, huh? And then it eventually the became would have been such. Yeah, yeah. It eventually became to mean the outside area that um, the king could hunt in. Oh, right. Yeah, it started with just outside Outside the walls or something. Yeah. All right. So question two, speaking of Ents, uh, let's let's head next to Fangorn Forest uh, from the Lord of the Rings series. Uh, Or perhaps we shouldn't head there uh, since it's quite a dangerous and mysterious place, but we are going anyway. So during the Third Age, uh, it is known to those who know such things that 
Uh, Fangorn is the last habitation of the Ents of Middle-earth. Those long, or sorry, those large, strong, and tree-like creatures who help shepherd the trees of the forest and help them flourish. So let's say you, Andrew, uh, find yourself in Fangorn, and you're given the opportunity to do one of these four things. Which one are you choosing and why? Are you A, sneaking some Ent Draft because you have to know what it tastes like and you want to grow a couple extra inches? Uh, B, attending the Ent Moot, even though it'll last several weeks and you won't understand what's being said? Uh, C, riding on Treebeard's shoulder as it gives you a tour of the forest? Or D, hiding in the nearest cave you can find, hoping those tree monsters don't spot you? Okay, so I'm torn between A and C. I think it would be so interesting to try the draft. Um, but I think I would be more interested in taking the tour with Treebeard. Yeah, riding, riding on his shoulder through the forest sounds like a blast. He's going to walk a footpath on the shoulder. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I'm counting that as correct. Um, the first one, uh, the end draft, you're actually sneaking the end draft. So I wouldn't advise it. You know, it's, oh, yeah, yeah. You there could be trouble. consequences. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The moot would have been interesting too, though. A little, little long, but a little sleepy. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't, I don't know that my attention span would be able to handle it. <laughs> Question three In the Harry Potter series, there is a particular forest near Hogwarts School that students are instructed not to enter. You might even say they are forbidden from entering. So, inside the Forbidden Forest are many unknown dangers, mysteries, and strange creatures. But some of these creatures are known. I'm going to list for you four creatures who call the Forbidden Forest home, but one of these is not correct. Mm. Is it A, centaurs? B, a Ford Anglia? C, Hagrid? Or D unicorns. Well, the the fort isn't a creature. It's it's it, it seems to have it, some sort of sentience. But that's the card that like the Whomping Willow kind of grabs, grabs yeah. and smashes, right? You got it. Yeah. And Hagrid obviously lives there. It's in, they all live in the forest. Do they all live Aren't in the forest? Okay, that's hard. See, you're trying to trick me now. Yeah, are you trying, trying to, to help this... you? Because <laughs> I, I know the centaurs live in the forest. I remember that vividly. I thought they were unicorns, too. I could have sworn they were unicorns. Um, Hagrid maybe doesn't technically live in the forest. He lives at the edge of the forest. Is that the answer? That is correct. That is correct. I knew okay. that would Come be on, tricky. Being tricky. Well, you got it. All right, fine. All right. Let uh, question four. Let's head back to our world. All right. So, deep in the Amazon rainforest of South America, you can find again strange and mysterious creatures, such as gl- glass frogs, pink dolphins, and electric eels. But none, in my opinion, are as strange or magnificent as the great potu bird. This nocturnal bird has huge black eyes, an enormous mouth, and to say that the great Potu has a large head in relation to its body is an understatement. 
They are sometimes called the ghost bird for their eerie moans and due to the fact that they are masters of not being seen. You've given us all the information. What's the question now? So here are four great POTU facts. Okay. Again, one is not true. A, they like to sit on stumps in the middle of the forest and pretend to be wood. B, they can see you even with their eyes closed. C, their mouth is so large they can swallow other birds whole. Or D, they will grant you one wish if you bring them three (laughs) magical beans. I'm going to go with D. I... I can't believe that those other facts are true. That's amazing. <laughs> okay, so I can't verify that D isn't true. They're, these birds haven't been yeah, seen true. very much, but yeah. I'm pretty sure. Most likely. So wait, how do you spell POTU? P-O-T-U? P-O-T-O-O. POTU. Wow, I'm going to totally Google that. I'm going um, to put my phone up to the screen so you can yeah. see this. Whoa. <laughs> it's it's my new favorite bird. I love that so much. <laughs> and here it is that with is its so mouth cool. open. I mean, can I show you something fun? This while is written. Yeah, show us. <laughs> while we're sh- doing show and tell. Yeah. Uh, I was in Bolivia a couple times years ago with Compassion International. And uh, I bought this piranha. Whoa. Ooh. Look at that thing. Have you yeah, tried that, feeding a, that any magical beans? I have not, but I'm I'm t- like this is the world we live in, y'all. It's I mean it's, it's a just bonkers. Human. Yeah. Okay. I keep that on my show. Amazing. Yeah. All right. So Andrew has gone four for four. Um can he can he run the whole table here? Let's see. Uh my suspicion is yes. Uh all right. <laughs> So uh, the the whole Earth, our whole planet is made up of many incredible forests, but I want to leave it again for a moment and head to a forest that exists far, far away from our planet. We are headed to the forest moon of Endor. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so featured most notably in the Star Wars movie Return of the Jedi, but also in some pretty mediocre standalone made-for-TV movies and cartoons, uh, the forest moon is synonymous with adorable, with the adorable but fierce, fuzzy creatures who inhabit it. All right, I'm going to list for you, Andrew, uh, four Ewok names uh, of Ewoks that live in this forest. Uh, three are actual Ewok names, and one is the imposter. All right, are you ready? I'm ready. A. Wicket W. Warwick. Uh, B, <laughs> Darth Walk. Uh, C, Princess Nisa, or D, Tebow. Oh man! So uh, all, three of those are actual names in Star Wars for Ewoks. Yeah, I mean, not like the not like the Warwick part. It's it's just the first the first word is like the actual name. In Star Wars, because I know Wicked is played by Warwick Davis, but his name his name in the show is Wicked W. Warwick. In the lore, <laughs> he's, okay, so he's not willing to give a. He's just putting his hands. Up. Yeah, I don't know the answer, but I'm pretty sure. Would well, you like me uh, to say the second one again? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I heard the Darth part. What is the rest of the Darth part? Oh, Darth walk. What? 
WOK. Mark Walk. Mm-hmm. Mark Walk. So is the question, just so I understand it, like, are you, I know you're being cheeky, but like the, the walk part is the real name, not the Darth. No, that's the whole name. Darth Walk. <laughs> I'm going to say Darth Walk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is correct. Uh, okay. That is, that that is not good. a real Ewok name. And yeah, so wait, it, in the lore, it's Wicked W. Warwick. So they must have, that must be really? like. They're honoring him by actually putting a last name on one of these Ewoks. That is so funny. So the Nisa, what was the Nisa one? Princess Nisa. So is she, she's a princess Ewok in what story? I think that one is in the uh, the Witch of Indoor for TV movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh. Uh, All right. Wow. Well, that was that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh as as far as i can count if i can count this high i see five correct answers for five questions that is 100 right. percent hey. uh, but we will need to get this verified by the higher up right. so we always have to send it away it uh, does take six to eight weeks tabulation Great. yeah good well, work Andrew, yeah you you bore the slings and arrows of the gram quiz with with a plum um okay so before we let you go, this is our last question. Um, you've kind of talked about what you're working on already. You've given some advice for kids who are, want to create worlds and write stories. But the book that you just released, as we discussed, is is about traveling in Glipwood Forest. So what I want to know before we go is, is there a place in Glipwood Forest that if you could visit personally and physically and maybe bring a friend along or maybe you're bringing your daughter, or, you know, your wife along, where are you going? Uh, I'm, I'm would be going to the Fin Gap Observatory, which is, um, if you remember in, uh, book one, after the cross Fin Gap falls on Miller's bridge, um, there are some ruins that the family kind of hides in, um, to recover. And, uh, and in, in the, uh, Ranger's guide, um, Owen Groverly gets to see Fin Gap Observatory and it's, and it's like, a glory. And so it's a, it's a, it's a settlement basically of scientists who uh, have telescopes and they watch the sea and they watch the stars. And it's this like kind of really fun. I think it would probably be a little like the dark crystal in my mind. Um, if you remember that, that movie, um, <laughs> yeah. what was her name? Uh, Murga. I don't remember, but she was the one who had the big, like yeah, I can't uh, help star <laughs> star map or whatever. So anyway, yeah. that, that I would go there. Yeah, for sure. It was, uh, again, like it was so fun in those in the book to like have all these like uh, uh, happen upon a bunch of Easter eggs that I didn't know were there, and that was one of the oh, fun. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for your stories. I'm rereading them uh, this time with my seven year old, so it's his first kind of real oh, encounter with them. So um, it's been really thank fun you. to go back and reread them again. So Man, we were thrilled, thrilled. To, to have you on. Thank you so much. We're back at work on season two, man. I, I just got to watch uh, uh, episode two of season two, the, like not the complete episode, but the most finished version I've seen yet. And I just about fell out of my chair. It's so cool, nice. you guys. Um, awesome. So um, so excited. Yeah, excited to get to yeah. share the story in a whole new way. Yeah, we yeah, can't my wait. kids are going to be thrilled. For that. My kids just the other day were rewatching it all. Like they watched uh, this out. I think they watched the whole thing in like a day, which I'm not really thrilled with. But also, well, what can you tell them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the good news is it's it's like the length of one Lord of the Rings movie. It's three hours to That's watch true. all all six episodes. So it's, they just true. watch one movie, really. 
That's true. That's a great point. That's a great point. Making <laughs> me feel better about my parenting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, they're they're so fun and and uh, just thank you for uh, all the the stories that you're telling and the music that you're bringing to the world and and uh, the, the conversations you're having. So thank you, man. Thank you, guys. Glad to be here. Well, that was our conversation with Andrew Peterson. Thank you so much to Andrew Peterson for coming on. Um, he really knows a lot about forests. He does. He knows so, a lot about forests and uh, walking paths, which not unrelated things right there. Um, so that was great. That, we were really glad uh, that he was able to come on again. And uh, We should have asked oh. him what his favorite root beer was. Yeah, that's maybe true. We'll, maybe we'll ask the next guest. We should. Okay, we got to write that down. You write know what? Down. I think Anna James is coming on soon. Yep. Maybe she knows a, a British root beer that she great, can tell us about. That's a great question. We need to mark that down. Yeah. Okay. She's going to be like, no, I never drink that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Graham, it is time for the last segment. This illustrious podcast. <laughs> this Donnybrook of a show. Um, and it's, uh, it's riddle time. You're going to give us the... We've answered the last week's riddle, right? Yeah. Uh, last week's riddle, you <laughs> were... Terrified. You Well, you were not... I wasn't around. You yeah. weren't here. You were trying to clear people out of the store. Yeah, and you had sweeping people away. With a literal broom. Um, I don't usually do that at the bookstore, but you know. Because it was a brouhaha. And, right. No, it turned into a Donnybrook. <laughs> yeah. So, they... Um, uh, last week's riddle was about a man named Clarence. And Clarence... I think that was his name. <laughs> It's something similar, if not, but I, Florence. I, it's Clarence. Clarence uh, is a builder of things. He started, you know, building some furniture. He started building, uh, he worked his way up to bigger projects. Right. Okay. And As so, um, the, the, you know, he, he, he found some materials, he found some red bricks. So he built a red house. Okay. okay? And then, and then the next project, he, he got a hold of some yellow bricks. Okay. And he built um, a yellow house. But then he decided he wanted to build a greenhouse. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yep, yep. And so what material did he use for that? Um, uh, it, Money. The, the, well, yes, but the answer, well, he might have sourced it. I don't know. Um, the answer is that he used glass mm. because we, uh, a greenhouse is a, not an actual it's house. It's a glass cage. It's a, it's a glass cage. It's a, it's a plant cage. It's a zoo for, it's a plant <laughs> zoo. Uh, uh, you use glass to build greenhouses. So we thought we could trip some of you up. Did anybody get it right? Yeah, lots of people right. did. Some people even sent in um, uh, practical steps on how they built their greenhouses. Oh, good, which was good very for nice. Them. Yeah. It's like, oh, and then you take this. Overachievers. Then you do that. Et cetera, et cetera. That's awesome. Good job for that. Okay, so what's this week's riddle? So this this week's riddle, we're going to Ireland. Oh, we're going to Donnybrook Fair. We are going to um, let's say Dublin. Okay, what um, what's the name of our um, our, of our Dubliner? Our Dubliner is or named is an Englishman who's visiting Dublin. Uh, Cormac. <laughs> Cormac. Okay. Cormac Boylan. Cormac. Cormac, Cormac McBoylan. Uh, uh, Cormac McBoylan. Okay. Right. Mick is Scott at Cormac Boylan. There we go. Cormac Boylan. Okay, got it. All right. Cormac Boylan. Okay. Now Cormac, uh, yeah, he he actually did live um, in the in the 12th century. <laughs> okay. So he was at the, he was at the Donnybrook Fair, but okay. he, he did not get into a Donnybrook. Okay. He ate way too much of this fair. 
and he ate too much. Yeah, a lot of meat. He ate too much of the fair. No, he was at the fair having a great time going on whatever medieval rides <laughs> were available. He was Maybe riding lassoing, lassoing sheep. Um, That's what you use a crook for. No, it's more fun at the fair with oh, the lasso. You just actually, lasso them. Yeah. Okay. So, so Cormac, um, uh, he ate some bad meat. Mm. He ate some bad meat. Okay. At the fair. Oh, so bummer. That's the worst. He went to the local uh, apothecary. <laughs> A.K.A. Medieval Doctor. Medieval Doctor. Um, Cormac says, my stomach, I can't. I don't know what's wrong. And the doctor said, were you at the Donnybrook Fair? <laughs> and he's like, maybe. <laughs> I knew it. The people have been coming here all day. But this doctor, um, it, it's a good thing he came to this doctor. Okay. This doctor's got a solution. Okay. He's got a pill. Is it covered in chocolate? It is. N- it is not. Oh, okay. No, it's covered in mutton. No. <laughs> <laughs> Too much meat. Here's some more meat. Some more meat. <laughs> no, this pill it, it cures stomach aches, and it works. It's great. This doctor's pills work. Okay, so magic pills. Magic pills. So Cormac gives him some coins. Okay. Uh, and the doctor gives him a pill, and this pill has special instructions. Okay. Uh, the doctor tells Cormac. He gives him three pills. Okay. He tells him to take one of these pills every half an hour. Okay. Here's a riddle. Here's the question. How much time will have passed by the time Cormac has taken all three pills? That's it. Okay. That's it. Okay. It seems simple. Seems simple. Maybe it is. Maybe it's seems super simple. Maybe it's super simple. Okay. All right. I think the kids can get this one. They will. All right. They're smart. If they think they can get it, how should they get in touch? They will email us at podcasts at goldberrybooks.com. Okay. Awesome. Podcasts at goldberrybooks.com. All right. Well, thank you so much to Andrew Peterson for coming on. Thanks to uh, Graham for yeoman's work here on this, Yeoman. this week's That's right. podcast. And thank you to people for inventing root beer. Also, thank you to Waxwing Books for sponsoring this episode. Please check out the information in the show notes. All right. That brings us to the end of another episode of Withy Windle for... My friend Graham Pittman, I'm David Kern. Until next time, happy reading. Ooh.